GateWorld.net. I'm Chad Colvin, and I have the pleasure of being on the phone today with actor David Blue, who played Eli Wallace for two years on Stargate Universe. David, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, sit down with me on a Sunday of all days. And uh, <laughs> and uh, well, thank you for playing the theme song. It makes me all sad. It <laughs> reminds me of like the first time I heard it, watching the trailer for uh, for the premiere. Like I loved that song. I loved that part of the. Trailer, so it's, kind of sad. I, it's actually it's a great tune actually i still kind of i've, I've got it on my uh, ipod i actually still kind of you know play it every once in a while just throw it into the mix god i don't even have it i really should though well no it, 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 it's, it's kind of depressing to hear it though because it makes me miss everybody and miss the show <laughs> well you know the series never really had an official theme like the first two series did so i, I always I, joked that it was kind of like lost though like where the theme was and that's not in any way, you know, not saying that, you know, Joe Goldsmith didn't contribute heavily to the series. You know, some of the music, especially in the back half of season two that he provided, you know, for those last few episodes was hauntingly beautiful. But it, it just kind of hurt from the beginning, I think, to a degree that, you know, SGU didn't have a theme that was all its own. Yeah, but I think that's just the trend nowadays is to skip uh, really opening titles because they want to jump right into the content. And if that gives people more stuff to watch, then I'm all for it. But I, it's really funny, being the nerd that I am, I like to have different ringtones for everybody in my phone, and as soon as we got cast in the show, I got the original Stargate theme, and I found a little clip of it, and I made that the ringtones with all of the cast and crew of SGU, and it still is. Nice. So, because we don't have a song, so every time somebody calls me, the SGU one theme plays. I actually talked with Brian uh, for the interview. Actually, this is the first interview I've done since Brian's. I talked to him the night before his 30th birthday, and he kind of told us his thoughts about turning the big 3-0. Did you have any uh, reservations yourself about leaving your 20s behind? I'm young at heart. <laughs> <laughs> the, the funny thing about being an actor, though, is that you, you don't play... You know, I'm lucky. I have good genes, and I'll thank my parents for that, um, that I look younger than I am. So it makes, uh, <laughs> it doesn't feel like I'm my own age because I can't play it. Mm-hmm. A lot of roles that I want to go in for, even this pilot season, are all like 30 year olds or 34 or 35, and they won't buy me as anything but 25. You've, <laughs> got some, you've got that baby face. I do, especially, you know, I find my weight changes whether or not uh, people buy me in certain roles, though. Mm-hmm. Did you do anything special to celebrate at all? Uh, this year was kind of low-key. I don't know why. Um, I actually went to this wonderful private club in Los Angeles called the Magic Castle, uh, where it's like a private magician's club. I went with Neil Grayson, actually, and Allison Hayslip and Magda uh, Abinovich from Caprica, mm-hmm. and a few of my select friends, and we just had dinner. It was pretty, pretty low-key this year. Excellent. I think that's what happens. The older you get, the more you just want to pretend it's not your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. You just want to drink enough where you forget and wake up the next day and go, okay, that's over. Right. Um, so even with SGU being done now, I know you're still somewhat active on the con circuit. You were uh, actually in Australia. just a- I, That was actually uh, possibly my last con, but yes, I, I have been. It started out... I really loved the idea after talking to Amanda Tapping and, and Lexa. Um, about it, 
I love the idea of getting out and talking to the fans, and especially when we first premiered, when I first did one in London, or in the UK, sorry. Uh, I liked being able to go out and answer people's questions and, and talk back with them about what they liked, what they didn't like, address some of their concerns. It's always been fun, and I love meeting everybody, but it's just kind of gotten to the point where I, I kind of need to focus on my career at the moment, and uh, who knows, I, I, there may be cons in the future, but for now, I think I'm taking a little break from them. Right. Well, let's talk about the series itself. The last time that I talked to you, which was in April of, well, 2010, it would have been back when uh, season one was actually still airing on sci-fi and you guys were just getting into production of season two. Mm -hmm. Um, By the end of the series, uh, when the show itself wraps up, Eli has this internal strength at a level that doesn't exist at the time of, say, the uh, two-parter, the incursion two-parter. And he spent a decent chunk of those two episodes with a uh, wounded Chloe. Uh, partly because he's loyal and partly because at that point he had feelings for her. Uh, do you feel like that unrequited love triangle subplot ever really gelled at all? Or was it really like a conscious decision going into, into season two just to drop it? I don't think it ever uh, dropped at all. I think, you know, season, the, the whole show was, of course, uh, for Eli, a, a growth. Um, not saying the whole show was about Eli. What I mean is for Eli, the show was a growth process for him. And in the first season, yeah, he had this feeling, he had this connection with Chloe, this, this connection he's never really had before, but I think as he became friends with Scott and as he got to know Chloe and realized it wasn't going to happen, it turned into another relationship. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think it was ever gone. You know, he was still attracted to her, but at that point, they became such a family, I think. It, and then once he met again and realized what love could be, it, he didn't, like, let it go. He just evolved that evolved into a different kind of relationship mm-hmm. um going into season two did brad and rob give you any hints prior as to where they'd take the character just a rough out- outline i mean eli was kind of shaped to kind of be the audience's eyes and ears during that first year as we got to know the characters but with the heavy duty character building out of the way was there a plan on how they wanted to build him up in the second year I'm sure, oh, I'm sure there was. They knew they, they knew how they wanted to end the show when they even started the first episode of season one. They, they had a plan the whole time. They didn't tell us that plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we kind of discovered as we went. Um, when we started the show, they did make it clear to me, like, I'll, I'll always remember when we did the gun training in the shadow of the Atlantis Gate, um, which I wasn't supposed to go to, but I'm a nerd and love stuff like that, so I asked if I could. And I fired an assault rifle, and I looked awesome doing it. And Brad Wright came up to me, and he's like, don't ever look that cool firing a gun again. Because he had this idea, they all had this idea that they wanted to hold off on Eli's evolution as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of why they wanted to make SGU and why, it was a, why we were all attracted to it. This idea of the beginning. And, and the learning and the growing, because I love SG-1 and I do love Atlantis. I watch them both. Um, but by the end of SG-1, they were like superheroes, you know? They they could solve a problem, just get a VPM and you're good to go, you know? And they kind of wanted to explore more this idea of people who didn't know what they were doing, who weren't supposed to be there. So, yeah, long story short, <laughs> too late. Um, I it think kind of happened... I think, on the way. I think before you kind of likened that with uh, like Michael Shanks as Daniel Jackson, he starts out season one basically doing a James Spader, you know, ripoff, which is <laughs> great at the time. But if you get to the end of the series and then the final two movies, I mean, he's you no know, buff. He, he's shooting a lot, you know, basically an action hero. 
You know, it was yeah, like, I always joke about that too. Uh, I was, I was, I went to Australia with Michael and Lexa actually, and uh, we were kidding about that. I was like, I was really hoping the show went further because I wanted to end up becoming a superhero like you, Michael. Um, but I mean, that's the the unfortunate thing about it. Like when they got to this point where they knew the technology, they were comfortable with the technology, and they, like especially Atlantis. You know, when you have somebody like McKay on board who can just oh, let me just quickly bypass this computer and, and plug it into that one, it almost makes it seem like it's an easy fix. And I think that they wanted to and we wanted to experiment with the idea of, well, they might not survive because they don't know what they're doing. And with Eli in season two, I think especially because of what happened again, uh, it just kind of got to the point where he started having to take responsibility for himself and be strong for himself instead of relying on other people. And that makes you grow up fast, mm-hmm. which he did. I do joke, though, still. I went up to Brad Wright when I first read the uh, finale and and joked with him that I hope that we start season three and everyone kind of comes out and is looking for Eli, and I wanted to turn around and be completely buff and holding a ball <laughs> rifle and an eye patch and just be like, it's been a long few years. I suddenly <laughs> wanted to be super careful, and he just kind of looked at me and shook his head. <laughs> Uh, let's get into uh, season two a little bit more and, and some of the highlights from that year for Eli. I think one of his probably more emotional episodes uh, comes early in the year with Pathogen uh, when he returns to Earth to see and comfort his alien mom. Um, some of those hospital scenes between you and uh, Glynis Davies were phenomenal. Um, how did you prep for them? Was there anything that you drew upon prior? You know, it's funny. That's actually the first episode we shot back in season two. That was We shot it out of order. Um it was supposed to be another one. It was Carlisle directing, and I was terrified because of that because, you know, he's a friend, and I also look up to him as a person and an actor. Um, and the first things we shot were those hospital scenes. So it was like I hadn't played the role in a few months. I had just gotten over an extremely bad cold. I was working with Robert Carlisle, and it was one of the most emotional episodes we had done. It was like the world was stacked against me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was actually great, especially working with with. Uh, Robert Carlyle, because he's a great actor's director, so we, we had a lot of great time rehearsing and working on the scenes, and and uh, Glennis, who's an amazing actress, was wonderful to work with. It, was, it actually ended up being more fun. It felt like playtime, which I think is the time that acting is best. Mm-hmm. And, of course, <laughs> it was freezing cold, <laughs> and you can't see it in the episode, but raining. So when Ming-Na and I are out at the table, uh, my hands were turning essentially pink and were numb because we were sitting in freezing cold, probably 20 or 30 degree rain. <laughs> it was ridiculous. You mean Vancouver has cold rain? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. Who knew? <laughs> it's funny, though, because we were like, how are you guys going to be able to use this shot because it's raining and we're dying right now? And But in the end, you can't. it doesn't even look like it's raining. I don't know how that's possible. Um. Shortly after that episode, we get to uh, trial and error, and uh, we see Eli developing a intimate relationship. And I think most fans were, for the most part, happy to see Eli kind of stop pining for Chloe, because I think it was pretty obvious by that point, nothing was going to happen, and uh, just kind of embrace this new relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and there's definitely a really decent on-screen chemistry between you and Julie McNiven. Um, but I don't Woo-hoo! think... <laughs> but I don't think anybody could have anticipated how short-lived uh, that happiness was going to be. Um, if you would, just talk to us a bit about Robert Nepper's portrayal of Simeon and how he kind of brought about Eli's dark side. 
it's it's funny though. Uh, uh, we didn't know how short lived it would be. <laughs> Every time they brought Gin on, we always used to joke. Uh, Julie and I, because she's a, a fantastic woman. We would always kid. We're like, well, this will probably last like two minutes, and then they'll get ready again. <laughs> like every time that we had this wonderful moment, I'm like, yeah, you guys going to get some the very next episode mm-hmm. taken away. Um, ne- Robert Nepper was great, and I love that aspect of it because, like I said, that was really the catalyst for Eli's change. I loved being able to have Eli, you know, in malice be pissed off, and and I love that scene. Not only was it fun to act with Louis, uh Ferreira the one where he essentially finally stands up to Young and he yells at him. He's like, what do you think we're going to do? It was so cool to see that aspect of Eli, the confidence kind of simmer up and boil a little bit and really enact change. And as an actor, I was very jealous because I wanted to go to the cool desert planet and and hunt and try to kill Simeon myself. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't allowed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, they shot that. Uh, that was New Mexico, right? Was it White Sands? No, or, it was... Somewhere else in New Mexico. Unfortunately, I didn't get to go. Uh, White Sands is where we shot the airport. That was airport three, right? Um, somewhere else in New Mexico. I don't remember the name of the city, but apparently it was fun and not quite as hellish as White Sands was for us, mm-hmm. which was beautiful and amazing, and it was cool being on the Air Force Base. But it's a special kind of hell to be doing a, a scene in full camouflage in 117 degree heat. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, actually, Robert Carlyle as a gift for all of us, because uh, we all survived it, made us t- uh, T-shirts that say 117 degrees on it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, later in the season, it's kind of basically a meeting of the geeks and what was, for the most part, a successful crossover ep- episode when uh, David Hewlett came on board uh, to reprise his role of Rodney McKay uh, in the episode Seizure. Now, with you being a professed Stargate fan prior to getting the role, was there any special thrill working with Hewlett as he played a role alongside you that you'd only enjoyed watching on TV just a few years back? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. The, the hard thing about loving television and film as much as I do is I watch everything. So the more you work, the more you run into the people who you've watched forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I had actually spoken to David beforehand. We had spoken before, uh, you know, because I was friends with Claudia Black, who introduced me to Lexa and, you know, met everyone along the way. So it wasn't our first time speaking, but when I first heard that there would be a scene with us, which was actually at Comic-Con, was the first time I had heard it, I was just hoping there was a scene with him. I didn't know if there actually would be. I was just hoping there would. So when the day come came for his episode, I was so excited, and then I picked up the script, and I'm like, one scene? I was really hoping it would be like this big, massive, you know, we had to do things together and figure things out. And I was really disappointed, and then we went and shot it, and I realized it was perfect. It was so cool to have this meeting of the brains and this challenge between the two. And I liked the idea of Eli challenging McKay and actually, you know, trying to see if maybe there would be a throwdown in the future. And in my mind, had there been future episodes, there would have been. Um, and then working with him is great because I think he's just a great guy. We've been following each other on Twitter already. We sat down and talked about writing projects and, and what have you, and it was kind of cool. I was a little struck, a little fan struck, mm-hmm. um, and I definitely have a few pictures of him and I on set together <laughs> in costume, just uh, being silly. But he's such a great professional guy and, and, and fun to work with. Uh, it was just kind of casual. Mm-hmm. Um, do it again in a heartbeat. He's awesome. He is excellent. 
Um, two of the series' probably strongest episodes uh, came very close to the end with uh, Common Descent and Epilogue. Uh, Rob Cooper and Carl, uh, they wrote a pretty amazing story. What were your thoughts as you looked at the scripts for the first time? I thought it was great. It was so... I think it's actually probably two of the favorite episodes of all the cast because it was fun to, as an actor to dive into, and I loved the stories they told. In the end, I actually am a little frustrated. Um, we did all these makeup tests for us as uh, older, and the one they did for me actually had me much, much older because there's a scene that was in the script that was never shot because we ran out of time. Mm-hmm. And in that scene, it's an older Eli talking into the camera uh, saying how he and uh, uh, oh, Barnes are getting a divorce, but their kids are going to be fine and they think it's better. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it because I thought it left this impression that Dan was his soulmate. And, and because he never had her, he never really was able to recapture that. But they cut it out, and it just looks like Eli found someone else who moved and lived the rest of his <laughs> life, and he was happy. And I was like, no, no, it needs to be, I'm always romantic. It needs to be unrequited love. Eli Wallace, womanizer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I, I, just, I, really, I was really a fan, plus I thought I looked really awesome as an old man. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping to have to do the makeup. Um, but as Brian as, mentioned as that he was a Brian mentioned that he was a fan of the uh, uh, location shooting, basically over throughout the entire series. But that one specifically, uh, you know, a good chunk of that was on location. But not so much a fan of those age prosthetics. I I'm I'm a weird actor. I'm a I'm a fan actor. I guess like the things that most actors hate. I love I love shooting on locations that's incredibly hot and torturous. I love long scenes that I would rather be on set for 20 hours than at home doing nothing because I had the day off. So I love the makeup stuff. I love weird costumes and having to run around and, and action stuff. So I'm a little bit of a different actor than the other guys. Um, the locations were pretty cool, though. That by that point, actually pretty much from the beginning, we'd all become such a family that locations were great because it was like a, a day trip for all of us, you know, sitting around having coffee, talking around the table. Louie, in his uh, old age makeup, jumped into the catering truck and was serving us lunch as an old man, mm-hmm. um, kind of looking like the Six Flags guy in a weird way. But, you know, we, we, we were silly and it was it was fun. Those two episodes were, were a great blast. And I, I love the way they turned out in the end. You know, too, was there anything thematically? Did it hit close to home with anybody? I mean, at that point, I think you guys knew that as you were working on those last batches of episodes that those might possibly be the end of the line, even at that point. Um, Not that you knew for sure, but I think at that point, the beginning of season two airing and the ratings that were pulling in at that point. You know, honestly, no. I don't want to sound fatalistic, but it was 50-50 the whole time, you know? Like, we were proud of what we were doing. We knew it was something different. We knew either people would like it or not. You know, it's the way it is with television, especially these days. Things don't stand a chance as much. It's much more cutthroat than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we were very proud of what we were doing, but, you know, we premiered uh, with decent numbers, but they weren't amazing, and then it continued, and... You know, I'm friends with a lot of other people on the network, but when Caprica was canceled, we thought, well, hey, maybe we'll be on longer because now they have a slot. And then, you know, we never knew where we stood, but I don't think any of us thought it was the end. We always knew from the beginning of the show that it could be at any time the end. Mm-hmm. You never have job security with it. Um, but there is a special, there's a, there was kind of a, a wonder 
you know, we talked about it a lot, about the ratings, about whether or not we thought we'd get renewed. And when we shot the final scene, actually, in the finale, the final shot of the show was all of us sitting around at that table. Mm-hmm. And we even talked about the time. There was kind of a bittersweet feeling of, well, hopefully we'll all be back. But just in case, you know, at least we're all here together. Right. And looking back, I'm glad we did it. And looking back, it was really cool. Um, but I don't think any of us had accepted it was the end. It was, it was kind of a shock still when it happened. Mm-hmm. Well, especially for those people who, were, who found out later than us. <laughs> there were a few of them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think even, you know, the show had some, especially in the first season, it had its detractors. But in season two, I think a lot of them basically, you know, stopped because the quality, especially of many of the episodes in season two, once the heavy character building of season one got out of the way, I, I think a lot of fans, and especially once the announcement was made in December uh, that you guys weren't going to be coming back with what still had left to air yet, I think a lot of uh, people that weren't fans before kind of jumped on the bandwagon at the end, and there was a lot of SG love going on as those last episodes were airing. You know, it's... it's uh, I'm, I'm so thankful. From the, from the beginning, I told people, you know, I think I actually told this to someone in the UK when I did my first convention... I said, look, you know, if you want to hate us, or any show for that matter, that's your prerogative. But give it a chance. Watch a couple of episodes and then decide you don't like something. That's mm-hmm. fine. And I, I even, I think I bet her. I said, I'll bet you $100 that if you watch up until this episode, you'll like it. And she ended up telling me that I won and I didn't, of course, take her money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I should have, but I didn't. Um, that's my one thing that I will get on a soapbox about because I am... I consider myself a member of fandom because I'm, I'm a huge dork. And that's the one thing that we've kind of come to these days, which I don't understand about fandom. Like, there are people who say they hate something and they are actively against it. And I don't, I don't understand why I live in a world like that. You cannot like something. There are shows I don't watch. It's not my cup of tea. But I'm never going to go out and actively be against it, uh-huh. you know, because I don't because that's uh, other people do like it, and that's other people's well-being, and I'm not going to be that way. Like I, I used to run a bulletin board system, and you know, I loved Star Trek: Next Generation. I didn't end up liking uh, like Voyager as much, uh-huh. so I just didn't watch it. And that's not how it is nowadays. So it, it always kind of bothered me, um, and I think a lot of us. It, it, it was kind of like we were dodging. <laughs> People were throwing things at us and we were dodging it. And it's the unfortunate thing about fandom right now. And I love that some people have kind of found it later. But the unfortunate truth is, you know, I would love the show to come back, but it's probably not going to. You know, who knows? I'll keep the hope that uh-huh. in a few years they'll change their mind. But I wish people would have given it a chance the ones you're discovering now earlier. Uh-huh. You know? Like, it would have been nice but I'm, I'm so thankful for the people who watched it, even the ones who are discovering it now. I still get the occasional email from people saying, I just watched the finale. <laughs> um, and I'm so thankful they're watching it and they're still enjoying it and coming along for the ride. Uh, I just hope, and I'm trying to get the message out there for all of them, like, if there's something you like, if it's a Star Trek, you know, support it. It's the only way you're going to get to keep it going, you know? Uh-huh. Let's it's talk- Fringe. Watch Fringe. Fringe is amazing. <laughs> Everyone needs to watch Fringe because I like it, and I don't want it to get canceled. Mm-hmm. So people need to watch it more. <laughs> so that's exactly that's my issue. Is I mean, I work here. You know, I'm recording this at a radio station. I work here, 
and I work for a bank, and then I also do the work that I do for GateWorld. So my time, where I can just sit down and watch whatever, is pretty slim. Um, usually not access to a DVR or anything like that at all. So if I'm going to catch something, I either have to physically, you know, buy it in, you know, hard copy media on DVD or whatever, or catch it on Netflix, because that's the only way that I can get to it on my schedule. And so I literally just a couple of weeks ago picked up Fringe, uh, the first season, and I've got it. Have I had the time to actually sit down and pop it in and start to watch it yet, though? No. So, and it's done in Vancouver now, which is I support Vancouver, yay Vancouver. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's a funny thing. It is. I you know I, I jumped on board the Star Trek bandwagon with Next Generation, and then I ended up watching Deep Space Nine. Um, but then I, I Voyager, I watched. I ended up seeing it all, but it wasn't really my thing as much. And then I, I didn't watch Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> that's how that's how things have changed. Back then, I just didn't watch it, but I still I was still like, yay, Star Trek, because I was hoping that one day there would be another incarnation that I loved, mm-hmm. and there was. And I, I never really understood that with with some shows nowadays where people are actively against it. I'm like, don't know, you're hurting the franchise, and if you're at the franchise, you're not going to make the one that you like anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to support whatever your passion is. Um, I kind of feel that way about like Comic Con and, and nerddom in general. There, there are so many haters now, and it's like you guys realize that we're all like cut from the same cloth, right? Like, like be, be nice, smile a little bit more. Exactly. <laughs> we're going to actually touch on this a little bit later uh, in our chat here, but uh, you're talking about Star Trek, and now it is back. You know, it's been rebooted by J.J. Abrams, and uh, as far as Stargate is concerned. Do you think if it comes back that it would be a re- reboot of some sort like that? Or do you see it maybe possibly if it's still under the control of MGM, you know, and depending on who they bring in, if they decide to bring it back in some form, a continuation of what's come before? You know, I, I don't know. Who knows these days? It seems, I mean, I can't believe they're rebooting Spider-Man already. It was just a couple years ago that they started it. You know, it's, it's, I don't really understand a lot of these reboots these days. Mm-hmm. Star Trek I actually ended up loving. I loved the way they did it because it wasn't really a reboot. It was a reset. And that was kind of cool. Um, who knows if I, I want to be positive about it, but when you look at just the financials of it, I love Stargate and I want it to be around forever. But as the viewership dropped off of all the shows and then DVD sales weren't as much, I don't know that financially people are going to invest in it because they're not getting their return. And unfortunately it's commercialism. That's what it's about, you know? Mm-hmm. As much as I love entertainment, the people who make the decisions are doing it for money. Right. Um, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope that it does come back in some form. I would love Stargate Eli, where, you know, <laughs> call me up when I'm 50 years old and I'm the captain of an awesome spaceship. I would play that role again in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. But who knows? You know, I, I don't know. Maybe Brad and Rob or MGM will reboot it and it'll be this whole crazy new thing. Um. I mean, I, I'm not the one who makes the decisions. I'm just somebody who loves to show up and play and mm-hmm. be a part of it. Um, I think Stargate is a great franchise, you know? I mean, that's why I watched it from the original movie. Right. And, um, and it's a great idea. I even read a pilot this year that has a similar type premise, and it just reminded me of it. And it's, it's hard to believe that we're in a time right now where there isn't any kind of Stargate going on right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, I said, we'll be talking about that here a little bit later. So. Yeah, well, it's also unfortunate, too. I mean, uh, I, I love fans. Thanks, thanks to everybody for following me on Twitter or Facebook. And I read every email and every tweet. But unfortunately, the ones who approach me and are like, hey, I'm 
doing an animated series or, hey, I'm, you know, I want to film uh, an episode to wrap it all up in my backyard Will you come and play Eli. Um, one, I can't. I don't own the property. I'm not legally allowed to. Right. Two, in my heart, I hope one day they decide to pick up SGU. I know it's a very, very far shot, but I, I hope like in four years they'll be like, you know what, screw it, and they'll just rebuild the set and call us. And I don't want to contribute to anything that could screw that up. Mm-hmm. And if I play a role and do something different to the story, maybe that'll hurt it down the line, you know? Right. So uh, I'm just trying to keep the hope alive. So thank you to the fandoms who are offering me that. I just can't respond, unfortunately. Right. Let's talk a bit about the series finale, uh, Gauntlet. And it's an episode that shows a uh, inner strength in Eli that he's fully embracing for the first time. You know, he takes the reins with a, a viable but a very sacrificial solution uh, vocalizing what he already knows, that he's smarter than Rush. And, you know, and then we see those final shots of the series. He's the last person standing there in the observation area, and he's become kind of Destiny's keeper while he's trying to repair his own stasis pod. So much of that episode and those last few minutes of those episodes kind of harken back to the first scenes you see in the pilot. Um, mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on it at the time, knowing that it could end up serving kind of a dual role as both a season and a series ender? Well, I, I didn't. I was looking at it as a season ender. I was not. I, I don't think anybody really shot it going, this could be it. Um, in retrospect, I know a lot of people are polarized about this, but I love it as a series finale. I think it worked wonderfully because it ends it like a choose-your-own-adventure. It's like, what do you think happened next? Now, I will admit that I do know what would have happened next, which is awesome, and I'm really sad that we didn't get to do it. Um, but going into it, I was, I was proud. From the moment I read the script, I remember Louie came up to me and patted me on the back and went, congratulations, because of the way it left it and Eli stepping up and being stronger. It was a great, as an actor, just a, a great place to be. And then as a character, I thought it was perfect. It was a perfect evolution of him getting to this place where he not only was taking charge of his own life, but actually was capable. Mm-hmm. And no, he didn't I. <laughs> all the people who keep asking me. I wanted to continue working, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it would have happened to him, and who knows, maybe one day it'll be revealed, but I'm I'm holding on to that kernel because I hope that one day they'll, they'll do it. They'll yeah. make more. I think something perfect about those last couple scenes before we see Destiny flying off into space, right at the end, though, is it's, uh, the camera's coming up and it's it's got a very tight close-up of your face, and all of a sudden the smile just starts to emerge from it. He goes from thoughtful to... Uh, like looking forward to the future. And that was a perfect, perfect image, I think, for Eli well, to end you. on. I appreciate that. Yeah, the scripts, um, I'm not going to pat myself on the back because they're wonderful writers, but the script just kind of had just, you know, a shot of Eli on the bow. Um, and I'm humbled because actually Patrick Gilmore, I think Dragon Con, came up to me and told me that he, yeah, he texted me as soon as he watched it. He told me how much he loved that moment. And for me, it was so important. I was so nervous shooting that scene because it was the second to last thing we shot and I really wanted to make sure to convey what I think it ended up being which is that as much as he's scared as much as he's worried as much as work he still has to do and he's alone now now that he knows his mother's taken care of now that he knows he can continue on his life this is everything he always dreamed of and that's the thing that I think set Eli apart from the beginning that I always tried to hold on to, and, and the writers did too. Everyone else wanted to get home. And aside from Eli's mom and wanted to take care of her, he didn't. I mean, this is something he dreamed would exist 
and he always fantasized, like I do, and real. You hope that these things are out there. And then he's there. He didn't want to go home. He wanted to continue on this adventure. And at the end of the show, that's what it was. As scared as he was, you know, all of his dreams were coming true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you say you know uh, where things would have went, you know, at least initially into the beginning of the third season, and, you know, how you know everything would have came back together had the series continued. But in terms of Eli himself, what type of person do you think Eli would have continued to have evolved into had the series uh, gotten another season? Uh, well, I wish I was in charge of that. But it would have been all Brad and Rob and Carl and all them. Um, in your own mind? In my mind, he would have grown stronger, you know. Uh, it's, it's hard to say because I, not only do I, did they tell us where season three would have started, but actually I do know the ending of the show as well. Right. The, the like, four-year, five-year end of the show, um, which is great. I love that they had an, uh, they knew where the show was going from the beginning. Um I think that he would have continued to grow. I, I liked the idea of him becoming a threat to Rush. And, you know, from the beginning, I think Young wanted Eli to step up because he would have rather confided in and trusted Eli than Rush. And if he could do that, then he wouldn't need Rush anymore. I liked the idea of Eli becoming a threat to him and becoming his own man, really, mm-hmm. and, and learning what that is. And eventually growing floppy hair like Michael Shanks and running around and shooting things and <laughs> taking with alien women left and right. <laughs> um, and finding a way to bring Gin back. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Yeah, we actually, we joked about that for a while that uh, everyone would wake up and no one would be able to find Eli and then they would go to Chloe's container and he'd be in there with her. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, were you happy uh, with Eli's overall arc throughout the two years? I was. I'm spoiled. I'm so thankful for the show, not only because, you know, I got to work with amazing people and, and make great friends and live in a city that I ended up falling in love with, but more than anything, I, I was gifted an amazing role. I got to track his growth and his course, well, his growth personally, his shrinkage physically, <laughs> Um it was great. It was so. It, that's that's a gift as an actor to be able to to see an arc for your character and play with it. And uh, I was very very happy. I wouldn't change a thing. Were there any parts of his personality that you wanted to see explored? Had the series continued on, something that you know maybe they might have gotten to, or something even in your own mind that you thought you could bring to the table that you just never got the chance to? Well, the action hero wannabe in me would have loved something along those lines. Um, I mean, even with the episode Time, uh, I remember Rob coming up to me and saying, Dave, you're going to shoot an automatic rifle in this episode. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And he went, oh, you know what? Actually, no, it's going to be the camera guy uh, because it's from your point of view. And I'm like, I don't even get to shoot a gun when my character is shooting a gun, Um, which in the end is part of the reason I approached him and said, uh, I I asked him if I could shoot it. I don't know if anyone knows that, actually. Uh, They were, oh, yeah, it's in the behind the scenes. I was very lucky in that I begged them to let me do the camera work for the episode time, and in the end, they let, it, they let me do it, which is amazing. Um, so everything from Eli's perspective, that's from my perspective, actually. Wearing these little Jordy glasses, it's crazy. <laughs> um, I would have liked the action side a little bit more, uh, which I, I think hopefully would have happened. I would have liked to explore more of his relationship with Gin. You know, I, I feel like they never really got the chance and it's always fun, and she's a fantastic actress. It's always fun to play that relationship. I liked the idea of his friendship with Scott. I'm trying to see where that went, and 
the growth of um, kind of the father relationship he had with Young, seeing it turn into more of a colleague. You know, and that, it's just the continuation of where it was, really. I thought it was he was headed in a great direction, and I'm curious to see where it would have ended up. Um, I wouldn't mind it shooting some things and blowing some things up, though. <laughs> what are your thoughts planet on... planet here, you know, a spaceship there. Just blow everything up a little bit. <laughs> Um, let's go back to a little bit of what we were talking about before. What are your thoughts about this being really the first full year now since 1997 that a Stargate series isn't part of the television landscape? It's sad. It's absolutely sad. I mean, I I think the great thing about Stargate uh, is is its longevity. You know, I mean, the movie I I loved growing up. Um, I really, really loved the movie, and then as soon as the show came on, it was it was a nice place, and that's why we were all a little terrified, I think. It's almost the reason I passed on the project when I was first going in for it, because I loved it, and I'm like, do I really want to step into something with this much pressure? Like, there's a whole fan base built in, which is amazing. No other shows really have that, unless it's a spinoff, where you have a fan base that will guaranteed watch the pilot, at least. Um... And that's a gift, but it's also terrifying because you're like, they're expecting something. And we knew that going in, and, and it's, it's scary, and that's why I think a lot of, a lot of people are, are hurt, you know, because it's, it's, it's a change to not have Stargate on the air. Mm-hmm. But, I don't I mean, it's, it's sad. I wish I could do something about it, but unfortunately I'm not a decision maker and I have no power whatsoever. In my head, it's still going on. Mm-hmm. I still watch the old episodes and I have so many pictures and videos on sets, and, you know, when I've gone to the conventions, talking to people about it, in my mind, it's continuing. And that's why I love the ending, too. It is Choose Your Own Adventure. I love hearing fans tell me what they think happened and knowing that they're wrong. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing them say what they thought and, you know, hearing people say they want to write fan fiction of continuations and all of that, as long as it's not slash fiction. Um, it's, it's kind of cool to hear everyone's thoughts. Mm-hmm. I do, I do always find it funny, though. I have to say this. this is, I ho- hope no one thinks I'm a jerk for saying this, but it's funny when people are like, are you excited that, that we're going to maybe do a book? I'm like, yes. It has nothing to do with me, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I don't, if I'm not writing it, I'm not, not going to act in the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just really nothing to do with me. Right. But uh, I would love that. I used to read Star Trek Next Generation fiction, Imzadi, and all those books, mm-hmm. Vendetta. Peter David, so, such a great author. Yeah, Imzadi. I carried the hardcover Imzadi book. I remember carrying it around what was it, middle school. Uh, I loved that book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Peter David had a gift for being able to write Next Generation extremely well. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think that's actually one of the few sci-fi shows that I I read the books. Mm-hmm. You know, other than just watching, which is still funny. Why now that I'm friends with Levar Burton, <laughs> I think if he ever reads that, he'll laugh that I was reading books about his character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's move off of SGU and uh, talk a little bit about what you've been up to since uh, you took part in a uh, genre short film called White Room. O2B3. Um, talk a little bit about that and how that came about. Uh, it was cool. It was actually, they just uh, offered it to me. Um, I had actually run into the producers involved with it um, because they were fans of the show. In fact, one of the producers, uh, I met him for the first time when we were premiering at Comic-Con because he has a Stargate tattoo on his entire back. 
and I thought it was awesome. And then he ended up working with Roddenberry Productions, and I knew a lot of people involved. Greg, the director from the Guild, um, I knew personally, and uh, a few of the other people. And they called me about it, and it sounded cool. I just like the idea of doing its shots with this groundbreaking, like they designed it, um, 360-degree camera that just shoots with no gaps or distortions. And I loved that, and then the script was fun because it's a role I don't normally get to play. I won't ruin it by saying what it is because it should be coming out soon, I hope. Um, but it was fun, and then they cast Brecken Meyer, who is a great guy, and got to work with Mylin, who I knew personally ahead of time, and Rachel True, who I loved in the craft. I was kind of fanboying out. And actually, originally, we had a different cast member, um, uh, a wonderful, wonderful actor from Lost, and I'm a huge Lost fan, that we ended up replacing with Tamlin Tamita. But it was, it was just kind of a cool, fun thing to do. It was, it was experimental, and pilot season had just ended, and it was nice to jump into something else with friends and work on a passion project. Right. And uh, I think we're waiting to hear about some film festivals and where they're going to screen it. I haven't even seen it yet, actually. Mm-hmm. Now, being you know such a fan of the genre itself, and now having dipped your toes into a obviously you know heavy genre series, um, can you see yourself doing that again in the future, or would you prefer, in order to kind of avoid maybe the possibility of you know typecasting in the way some actors have had it happen, you know, kind of bouncing back and forth between something like that and more contemporary projects? Um, you know, I, I understand the stigma. Uh, of, of that's all you do, but at the same time, I, I love to act, write, direct, produce. I love what I do for a living. I'm lucky that I get to do what I love for a living, and I just want to continue doing it. Um, I would absolutely be on another sci-fi show in a heartbeat, uh, but weirdly, it seems like most of the things I go out for these days are comedies or, or one-hour dramas. Um, I, I would totally do like Fringe or, or something like that again. And uh, I wouldn't mind being on a cool Star Trek <laughs> or, or some other thing. I, I, that's the one cool thing about being in sci-fi is the fans. They're great, and, and they're people that I can connect with and talk to and, and talk shop and talk nerd. So if I could get on another show like that, it would be a gift. It would be another excuse to go to Comic-Con, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we talk about Divorce Invitation at all, or is that still very under wraps? No, absolutely. I mean, I don't... I, I'm a very small role in it, honestly. I'm the supporting role in it. Um, now it's just another offer. They were... It's a great cast. Uh, it's called me, and it was... I, uh, I'm really interested in when I get the chance playing something I haven't played before, and it was kind of interesting to play a different kind of role, and it was a cool cast. And it was just a, a little shoot over a course of a month. Um, but I, I haven't seen that yet either. I mean, I, for all I know, I'm cut out of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, lately, it's just been, uh, I've been writing a lot, um, and it's been pilot, 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 pilot. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Right. Well, with, like I said, Divorce Invitation, it's got a decent cast in there. Elliot Gould's in there, uh, Jamie Lynn mm-hmm. Sigler. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about the plot and, and what it's about? And... Essentially, it's, uh, oh, God, I, I don't know. Is it secret? Is it under wraps? Um, I, I think there's a, a very brief amount of stuff on the net. So, I mean, so there's an overall arcing plot description yeah. but not the details i mean that's it, it, it's it's a comedy it's a little dark but it's a comedy uh about uh, a couple that gets married and uh essentially he he decides for some reasons that he wants a divorce but as part of their prenup uh he has to 
throw another uh, wedding, but a divorce wedding, sort of. It's mm-hmm. interesting. So it's about this this couple, and played by Jim Lynn and Jonathan Bennett. He was great. Most of my uh, stuff was with Jonathan Bennett and, and Keith, because uh, I play one of their friends and also a, a lawyer. Um, but it, it's a fun little movie, and, and the director, uh, it's his first big American movie, so it was kind of cool to work with somebody from a different perspective, and like you said, the cast is ridiculous. Like, my first day on set, I'm hanging out with Jamie Lynn and Jonathan Bennett and, and Keith and, uh, and uh, oh, God, I, I, Andrea. Uh, it, was, it was fun. A lot of crazy little projects wandering around town like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is this something that they're hoping maybe might get a theatrical release? or? I think so. Uh, I haven't heard much about it, uh, about when it's going to be done. That's the one bad thing or one of the bad things about this industry, is you, especially with features, you do it, and then it could be a year, it could be four years before it ever comes out. Mm-hmm. The nice thing about TV is you do it, you at least know when it's going to be on the air, you know? Right. Uh, and web's amazing, because it's right off the bat. I did a, uh, a little web short called Geek Therapy, or a Geek PSA for Comediva, and it was up like a week later. <laughs> <laughs> um, looking back on the two years and the 40 episodes of SGU that you did, what are you going to take from that time, both personally and professionally? Uh, personally, uh, it, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was. It, it's not often as an actor, especially these days, like I said, where shows don't last very long, that you get to do 40 episodes of something. Um, so it was, it was a great experience. It was an adventure because I'd never been to Vancouver before. I'd never really done uh, a space show before. Uh and it was just a whole new experience. And I made great friends from it. Uh, I had great experiences. The crew was phenomenal. Like, we were very lucky. I think we still talk about that to this day. I went to Lou Diamond Phillips' birthday and ran into Ming Na and Peter Kalamis. And we were all just talking about how lucky we were. Mm-hmm. We got a cast full of people who were all amazing. And on top of that, incredibly professional. I mean, one of the most professional casts I've ever worked with. So it was all fun. And the crew was one of the hardest working crews I've ever really worked with. And we had a production company behind us. That, you know, I mean, wasn't a cheap show to make. So they trusted mm-hmm. and made. And it, it, we, were, we were kind of lucky. And I don't think it's kind of like lightning in a bottle. You hope that you get experiences like that. I am still, still hurt and sad that the show's done, much like the fans. You know, I was really, I really was shocked when we were canceled. I thought I knew it was a possibility, but I just didn't think it would happen. I miss it still to this day. Like I, uh, my crew gift, I gave the casting crew a gift at the end of season one. Um, I take a lot of pictures and video. That's something that Eli and I have in common. Mm-hmm. And my gift to them was this little video that I had made from all of my behind-the-scenes stuff. And I, every once in a while, I'll show it to a friend. I'll never release it. I'm sorry, because it's really embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But when I pop it in to show it to a friend still, like a couple of days ago, I'm watching it kind of makes me sad. I almost can't watch it sometimes because I still miss it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even talking to everyone, you know, you, you miss working with them and you miss playing those characters. And I, I wanted to see where it went. You don't often get that in television, especially when we got a script, people would just disappear and they would be sitting all around the, the stage reading the script because they wanted to see what happened next. And when you're in the show and you feel that way, you know you're doing something special. So... I, I, I don't know. I guess I, I'm going to take away that I was lucky and I miss it. Mm. Any regrets? Any regrets? Well, cancellation. <laughs> That's a big regret. Um, <laughs> uh, any regrets? 
You know, no, I, I, I'm, I, not to quote rent, but what's the point of regret? But in the end, no, I, I just, I wish we could have done more. I wanted to see what happened. Um, one thing. I'm gonna, let me think of something funny. I feel like I just think of something funny for a regret. Yes, I have a regret. Uh, when the scene with Gin and Eli actually hooking up, I was really upset about this. In the original scene, uh, Ray pops in and sees the T-shirt on Gin's bed mm-hmm. and says, is that you, Eli? And, and Eli raises his hand up and goes, hi. <laughs> and I was really looking forward to doing that. And the funny thing is, they ended up calling me in the office for a meeting. So I wasn't even there when they shot that. Right. So my love scene, I wasn't even on set. <laughs> like, I always used to find that funny because Brian, being a gorgeous guy, in incredible good shape, like, I wanted to get him his shirt off as much as possible and have women on him as much as possible. And my love scene, it wouldn't even let me in the building. <laughs> <laughs> so I regret that a little bit. Uh, although I do, and I, I still have to thank Julie about this, actually. Um, I love when she answers the door, how out of breath and and worn out she was. Mm-hmm. I want to call her and be like, thank you. Thank you for making it seem like Eli is probably good at this. I appreciate that. You could have made me really bad. Um, wow. Sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> and message? you know what? My, my other regret is that I wish we could have worked with more people from the other cast. You know, like, uh, have we done a movie with all three casts? I really was looking forward to working with Michael Shank. Brad had mentioned um, last year that that was a possibility for ways to try to, you know, keep the ball rolling. So Yeah, well, that was the talk, was that it was going to be a movie with all the cast, which would have been amazing as a fan. And also, I, I respect everybody. Like, I, I love chatting with Richard Dean Anderson when we were in Australia. And I became friends with Ben Browder there, and he loved SGU and wanted to get on the show and I loved I loved the idea of working opposite freaking Farscape uh, <laughs> and Claudia is a friend of mine I wanted to work with her I wanted to have more scenes with David Hewlett uh, you know uh, Chris Judge and I have become friends same thing like the idea of working with all of my friends that I also wildly respect and I love their characters I wanted to see what would happen that's regret that's a huge regret mm-hmm. any message for fans not just of SGU or of Stargate, but uh, to your entire body of work, Ugly Betty, everything prior. Thank you. That's the best thing I can say. Is, is thank you. I'm, I'm blessed. I, I, I'm lucky in that up until now, we'll see what's next. But I've played a lot of characters that I think people can connect with, and that's a testament to the writers. I mean, I'm going to not take any credit for that. Um, and people will have connected with and followed along my career, and I'm humbled by it, and thank you to everybody who who has enjoyed anything I've done, because for me, I'm just a kid in a sandbox, and I love to play. The fact that anybody ever wants to hire me to do it, it's amazing. Don't tell them, because maybe they'll stop. Um, I, I, I love it. I love talking to people. I love hearing from people on Twitter and my Facebook fan page, my, my email, which I check myself. It's not a publicist. Um, I, I'm lucky enough to do what I love for a living, and I'm even luckier that people care. So... Uh, thank you.